Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. I am your host, Ordo, and I'm joined by my A-plus support partner, Cardwiz. Build an army. Trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast. If you want to support us, uh, just follow us on Twitter at Emblem Supports, or if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or corrections, just email us at emblempodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and it's not like anything in the real world has happened that would make anyone have Fire Emblem on the mind. Uh, can can you think of anything that has happened, Ordo? Certainly nothing involving eagles, lions, or a golden deer. <laughs> yes, it is here. We finally have news. The spring of 2019 is finally nearly upon us, although it's actually going to be the summer, but let's not count that. We finally have news on Fire Emblem Three Houses from the Nintendo Direct, and it is looking interesting. Def- definitely, definitely. Actually, you know what's funny? This is our uh, our official Chapter 3, and we're doing Three Houses. I couldn't have learned uh, anything perfect than that. Because we actually had a couple episodes where we're like, okay, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then uh, I got busy, and you got sick, and then a Direct was announced, so it's like, okay, okay, fine, we'll finally be able to record an episode. Destiny has dictated that it. this is the chapter where we finally get to talk about Three Houses. We finally get to nitpick and take apart a five-minute trailer and try to find meaning in everything we can as we try to figure out which of our students we romance. What? I hope not. But before that, we'll see. Let's see. What, what's, um, what have you been up to since our uh, little hiatus? Oh, since our little mini hiatus, a couple of games have come out that have, one of which is something I've been waiting for for about 10 years now. Tales of Asperia, the definitive edition, finally, finally came to America in fully translated glory, and uh, it it reminds me why it's one of my favorite games of all time. Battle system is fantastic. The characters are amazing and some of my favorite voice acting of all time and then it you get to the new stuff where you got obviously a couple of new voice actors stepping in and some of the old voice actors it's obviously their voices have changed over the last decade and then you've got some weird audio which sounds like it was recorded under a blanket and the the, the audio of the new stuff isn't great I think it's a clash of uh, well, I, the, the thing is like the main character, main character. Uh, people made a big deal over like Yuri, but honestly, I really don't hear it that much. It's I mean, it's noticeable, but it's not like so jarring that I'm tempted to switch over to the Japanese version. I hear the difference between Yuri's main character every now and then, and it does bug me a little bit. But the biggest thing is that just occasionally during skit skits, occasionally during scenes, cutscenes, the audio quality and volume just drastically shifts where I don't know what they were doing with the balancing with the new stuff and the old stuff but something went very wrong where all of a sudden everyone's speaking at a completely normal volume and then all of a sudden it sounds like they're having to whisper to each other because it was recorded a decade apart and they didn't know what volume to set it at it's probably a difference in um it's probably it's probably a difference in voice direction, honestly. It, I don't know. If it's necessarily the voice direction. It's literally like the volume. They like, could have just. 
I just feel like I need to turn the volume up whenever some of the newer stuff is on screen. It's a weird thing that prevents this from being a perfect game for me, but I, I still love the story of Tales of Vesperia. I'm about halfway through the game, and this will be my fourth complete playthrough. Oh, jeez. Fourth complete playthrough of the game. First complete playthrough of Definitive Edition. <laughs> but I'm playing with a walkthrough in my lap because Tales of Vesperia is even though it was a 360 game just from previous gen, it still had the bad habits of like, hey, we have a ton of really missable side quests, but we're never going to tell you where they are or how they activate. Yeah, I, I missed almost all the side quests. In fact, um, there's a part, uh, I want to say towards the latter half of the game, where one of your party members leaves and they're unavailable to you. And uh, I was stuck in that dungeon. I was like, well, let me go back and go to the store and because you told me how the item system works i had forgotten because I, I really i have a whole saga with this game of how i had trouble with it initially it's too long to get into here um so i went back and i ran to a side event and the side event activated and that character was suddenly back in my party for that side event i was like wait what, what what's going on here yeah it's it's of a different era and one thing I do like about modern games, especially like some of the modern Tales games, Tales of Basaria did a really good job with this. It'll just give you like the big explanation point. It'll have a list in your menu system where it's like, hey, there's a new side quest. There's a new event available. If you go to this town and go do something. Vesperia doesn't do that. I wish with the Definitive Edition, since they're re redoing stuff, I wish they had done that, but it's it seems like it's just a 100% straightforward of the PS3 version, which, hey, I'm still happy about. I'm so happy we got this. I wish they could have done a few more modern conveniences to it, but I'm just happy we got this. It's one of my favorite games of all time, and I finally get to play it again the way it was sort of intended to be played, minus the weird voice problems. Yeah, I mean, um, Troy Troy Baker was just like, they didn't even contact me. They contacted the other people, like Raven's voice actor. I heard that he actually put out a tweet and was like, oh yeah, I'm coming back for Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. But apparently they didn't contact Troy Baker for whatever reason. I guess they just assumed that the price tag was going to be too much, or maybe they talked to an agency or, or something. I, that's just really disappointing because that, that was the big star making role for Troy Baker that Yuri him as Yuri is one of the greatest voice acting roles of all time in my opinion and it was just a real blow for him to not return and to not even be asked to return is really disappointing I wonder if something happened between you know uh what was it SAG I don't, I don't know if that covers voice actors I could be wrong I think it's SAG-AFTRA yeah I'm, and that's like a you know a voice acting guild yeah. Or wait, did I say guild? Guild, yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah, we're in full on <laughs> But it's a you know it's a voice actors union or something of the sort. I don't know the details behind it, so I'm not going to get into it. But um, as far as me, I've had my plate a little busy. I've also been playing Tales of Vesperia, um, Definitive Edition. Uh, I've been dipping in and out of Torna. Um, I played and beat Kingdom Hearts three. And then... Oh, that, that, that little game? Yeah, that little indie title that no one's ever really heard of. Uh, and then, I had no I really had no plans to play anything else. I was actually just going to go back to Vesperia and Torna. 
and Am- then Amazon's like, hey, these two Yakuza games, Kiwami 2 and 6, have gone down to like um, a little half their price, so you might want to pick those up. I was like, okay. So I started playing Kiwami 2, and um, pretty much that's pretty much it for me. Uh, Kiwami 2 is the remake of the second Yakuza game from like the PlayStation 2? Yeah. How's a PS2 game play in the modern day? It's actually not bad. They've actually taken that game and rebuilt it from the ground up. Um, the game actually uses Yakuza 6's engine. So it's hmm. it's it's very pretty. It's very nice. It's it's really good because they have like little flashback scenes to the first game. Or I'm sorry, to the first Yakuza Kiwami, which was a... It's a complicated thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I It's one of those things where I don't want to get into it, but you can definitely tell the difference between Kiwami 1 and Kiwami 2 engine-wise. I've seen a lot of like still shots. I've seen a lot of characters stuff from the Yakuza series. It seems really fun and interesting, but just from what I've seen people play on Twitch, that battle system does not seem very appealing to me. And if that's if the bulk of the game is just the characters and the side weird side stories, then maybe one day I'll pick it up. It's uh, I I think it's worth checking out. It's got a very fighting game like deal with it. That's the best way I can really I can really put it. But it does kind of get to the uh it does it does get it does get difficult in some areas. Yeah. I prefer my fighting games to be fairly simple. Uh, which is one reason there's another game that I'm really enjoying. Uh there's a game on the PlayStation 4 which is a port and remake of a Vita game called Tokyo Xanadu EX which is made by the I believe it's the same team that does the Trails of Cold Steel series. And you can really tell that in the character designs, including like one character who is straight up has the same name, same body as a character from Trails of Cold Steel. <laughs> and it has, if you've never played Trails of Cold Steel, it, get ready for a synopsis like this. You play as a student at an academy where a bunch of not necessarily warring nations, but different nations come together in like the center of the nation at this military like school and learn to get along with each other and learn military and train those skills. It's a really good series with good turn-based combat and the university sort of persona, social link lifestyle element to it. And Tokyo Xanadu X does the same thing, except the setting is just modern Tokyo and you go into dimensional dimensional doors and fight demons and it's action instead of turn-based combat and it's fairly simple action combat but there are enough elements to it where oh you have your power attacks standard attack dodging and learning enemy patterns is really important in three different type of super attacks it it is a really satisfying combat which I'm a little bit addicted to. At the end, it gives you the, oh, you got the A, S ranking sort of thing. So I'm going through that, trying to S rank everything. And I have no idea if I'm even halfway through that game, but I'm having a really fun time with it. My only problem with that game is that I think the character designs are really boring, especially compared to Trails of Cold Steel, even though it's the same, basically the same engine. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Well, let's move on to, uh, I guess, Fire Emblem stuff. Not quite... Yes. Not quite three houses, but I do have two pieces of 
Fire Emblem Heroes news. And again, we don't really cover Heroes that much. It's really only if something notable happens. And so Fire Emblem Heroes is now entering its second year. Um, that's big. I think that's very big. It's doing, it's doing really well. And actually, I think a couple days ago it was reported that Fire Emblem Heroes has now made $500 million. Being Nintendo, it already was Nintendo's most successful mobile title, but it's blown its other titles out of the, out of the water. <laughs> so that's why I got seven yeah. Fire Emblem characters in Smash. Deal with it. Yeah, it's a, it's the perfect place for a mobile game. Be able to get all sorts of different characters. Battle system is nice and simple. Just play through maps in just a few minutes. It it's a great mobile title. Yeah, it's um. I don't know, but just hearing that it's made $500 million kind of makes me laugh in the face of people who are just like, oh, it's a niche franchise. No one plays this game. This, 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 and that. It's just, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit puffed yeah. up about that. Now, Fire Emblem is, I believe Nintendo says it themselves, Fire Emblem is one of their mainstay franchises along with Mario, Zelda, Kirby. It, it is up there with those. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm being honest, if you wanted to ask me, I would say it's like, Mario number one, Pokemon number two, then a long distance because Pokemon's a huge franchise. Number three is Zelda, four is Kirby, and five has to be Fire Emblem. Kirby's kind of, Kirby's kind of like that low key success. Oh yeah, like Kirby's the game that just like if if I had to get a kid a present, it would be a Kirby game because Kirby game is just going to be solid. Yeah, so. That's all. I mean, that's all. That's all I really have for news. Just, I don't know. Kind of pumped for that. You could just just something I can throw on people's faces who want to, you know, talk stuff online. I don't know. <laughs> it's just stupid. Uh, but I, it's nice to have stupid ammo in the stupid uh, internet wars that are always happening all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'll dive into it too often. But if someone hits me, if someone hits me on Twitter, I'm like, I'm like, look, here's the deal. but that's not why you're here ladies and ladies gentlemen so fire emblem three houses finally it's been so long so originally e3 2000 actually 2017 they announced that there was going to be a fire emblem game for the switch along with i believe other fire emblem titles and that was warriors and heroes we went the longest time without hearing anything and people were like, well, is it vaporware or, you know, what's the deal with it? And then 2018, we got just like a brief trailer. I think it was only, um, I wish I had it pulled up right now. I think it's only like maybe it has to be no more than three minutes long at the very least. And then after that, we got a long stretch of like nothing again until, um, at the time of this recording one day ago, we finally got a five minute trailer, which, did a good job of breaking down hey here is the world here is the rough outlines of the story here is sort of looks like your home base and how that's going to work out a little bit here's an introduction to some of the characters that you're going to be playing with and teaching along the way it definitely is interesting now i have the official nintendo page pulled up here so i'm going to read this little paragraph that they got here the black eagles the blue lions the golden deer Three noble houses that are part of the Officers' Academy, an elite facility that trains students in the way of weapons, magic, and special skills. As a professor, the player must choose one of these three houses to lead its student in grid-based battles with life-or-death stakes. 
Each house is comprised of many different students to meet and train, each with their own personality and skills. These students can interact with each other at the academy, strengthening their bonds, supporting each other, excuse me, and strength, strengthening their bonds and supporting each other on the battlefield. The Fire Emblem Three Houses standalone game and the Fire Emblem Three Houses Seasons of Warfare edition both launch exclusively for the Nintendo Switch on July 26th. And I am proud to announce that the Golden Deer are the official house of the Emblem Support Podcast. I'm sorry, man. This is, this is, there's only two of us here, okay? And it has to be the Black Eagles. Uh, I must have heard you wrong. We, we're, we're a Golden Deer house, but uh, let's move on from there. Okay, okay. Hopefully, they didn't seem to hint at it, but hopefully they are not pulling a Fire Emblem Fates with, you have three different stories, so you have to buy the game three different times. I'm really, really hoping that is not the case. But I, I they didn't really imply it, so I, I'm going to be optimistic. This is go- It looks like it, this is one game. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. Same. Um, I know you and I kind of joked about, like, um, the Black Eagles and the Golden Deer. I'm really interested in, uh, I don't know, it kind of seems like all these places are kind of like buddy-buddy with each other. And these like are these like, these are like the three biggest, like, places. So I'm just like, okay, well, where does the warring faction come from? Is it, is it the church of Saros? It's, I would assume it's going to end up being the church, but we saw... It, it, that this is these three nations is on this one continent. There are other continents out there. You can see it roughly on the map outline that there. Oh, there's a land over here in the top left. There's a land over here on the right. So could be warring with other lands. And this is just the basically the Lin mode section where everything takes place on this continent. Yeah. So, um, the info that I have pulled up here is a Three Houses February 2019 direct analysis. Um. Credit to this goes to Vincent ASM of Serenus Forest. I will put that link in the podcast description. Um, I'm not going to read through this whole thing. Um, I just kind of, I just kind of want to like look at the, some of the stuff that this person pointed out. Um, so uh, the first thing we see is this little this little girl dragon. Uh, for some reason, people thought it was Tiki. I, I was like, it's not Tiki. It's a completely different game. But anyway, so this girl, little dragon girl, wakes up and she, her name is Sothis. Uh, she seems a little surprised to see you here, and we'll learn why later. So apparently, the Avatar can see this character in like his dreams or some sort of deal. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, one thing I thought about that is looking at the trailer, I'm looking at two screenshots posted on the Fire Emblem Reddit by a... Uh, you Your uh, analysis might go into this. I haven't read your analysis yet, but a Reddit user named Rexacause posted still one by of the image where it looked like the main character Byleth, I believe is pronounced is sees, seems to see Sothis for the first time. He's in the same pose as later in the trailer when he has an ax in his back. So it, my hypothesis, reckless speculation, like the moment he dies, he sees her for the first time. And then reckless speculation, we're going to get a Mila's Turnwheel situation and be able to rewind time and fix things. Ah, and reckless speculation by me. I mean, I mean, it could be. I mean, or it could be like when he's in, 
places like life and death or something like that. Because, I mean, it could be a problem if he's just like, all right, class, today we're going to learn, oh, crap, I'm seeing the dragon girl. I'm seeing the dragon girl. Anyone else seeing it? What you doing, Violet? What you doing? You teaching the kids? I got to catch the dragon, man. Oh, no. Chase that dragon. <laughs> so, uh, as I scroll through this, um, the continent is named, oh, God, I know I'm going to get all these wrong. So bear with me. It's a uh, Foldlon. That's our continent. Um, and our three big places that we had mentioned earlier. Uh, one of them is the Adresian Empire. That's where the Golden Eagles are. Uh, to the north is the Holy Kingdom of Fargus, and that is a cold land ruled by the royal family and its knights. I, actually, you, yeah, you'd have to be a real moon cap to go attack Fargus. <laughs> it's interesting. And that though. joke will make sense a little bit later in the podcast. It's interesting though because it says its crest is a silver griffin behind a blue background. So why would they just call it like the silver griffins? Blue lions. Get that Voltron yeah. out of here. Why is it the black eagles and not the red eagles? Yeah, that's true too. Or even the golden eagles. But uh in our last one is um and stop me if this sounds familiar. Uh, it says, finally, towards the east is the Leicester Alliance, a league of nobles ruled by no king or emperor. So it's essentially a republic. Hmm. It's the it's the Lycian League. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. That's why I'm. That's why I'm golden uh, deer for life. I can't believe a golden deer. Come on, man. <laughs> An eagle is way cooler. Look, actually, let me, did you get Pokemon X or Pokemon Y? I got Pokemon Y because that, for some reason, that was on sale. Then you should have chose the eagle. Huh. It was. It was. It ba- was. It was literally Bacon Bird versus Rainbow Deer. <laughs> 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 That's all I say. I see just a giant Bacon Bird. Anyways, um, so the main character—it's uh, an avatar, but the avatar has not spoken, and I think you said his name was Byleth. Yes, it's like B Y L E T H. Yeah, I think that's what I've seen. Uh, the, the avatar can also be female. I've I've heard her name being pronounced as Sil- Sylvan. I don't know how true that is. I I have no idea. I'm afraid. Yeah, I do. You see Bylet, and he's kind of like in like full armor. It looks all right. Um, but then you switch over to the female autumn, the female version, and it's just like she has on like booty shorts she has a <laughs> like a place where her like belly buttons open she's wearing like fishnet stockings i'm like come on come on yeah. and while the guy is has a brooding look on his face she has a slight smile to her yeah i'm like come on you were you were this close to greatness this close uh so apparently your uh your father's name Geralt. So, you know how it is with Fire Emblem and parents. Yeah, it, he is the leader of a mercenary faction at the start of the game that you're a part of. I'm pretty well, sure this isn't that, going to turn out bad, because you actually don't see him anymore in the trailer other than that one split shot. Nope. It, the, it, this, the first, turns out the first ten chapters are just going to be the first ten chapters of Path of Radiance. Well, those were ten good chapters, so I'm not mad. 
Speaking of, when they zoomed out to the place that you're traveling to, the Gareg Mock Monastery, that side view, I was like, man, that looks, that has a very, like, um, what, what's the castle? Um, Bang, Bang Yang? Binyang? I, I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Not Bang Yang. Uh, it looks like the, it kind of looked like the Crimea Castle from Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn from the side. I was like, huh. I mean, obviously it's not, but I was just like, that's a nice little yeah. thing, I guess. Need to look at the side by sides. Yeah, well, I mean, it's from a different angle, so. Um, so you're going to this place to teach because your avatar is now a professor. So. Yeah, you display some sort of power or something that leads you to become a professor. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's so weird because it goes from being like, you're a mercenary. And like when it, when it talks about you being a mercenary, you kind of see your dad and he kind of has like a couple of like scars on his face. I'm like, oh, I'm a hardened mercenary, but then it's like. And now you are the professor. So I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? How, how'd this jump happen? Yeah. Uh, look. Well, it mentions an unexpected incident that reveals an unknown power within the Avatar. And I was just like, oh god, please don't be another Avatar worshipping game. I, I'm not sure if I can take it. And Japan loves their senpais. Oh god, I'm just like, please, don't. If the Avatar stays silent for this, like Mark is in Fire Emblem 7, I think I might actually be okay with it. We're going to find out. That's It It becoming another Corrin situation is one of the biggest worries, but let's wait till we get our hands on the game before we start to panic. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too. Like, I wonder if you can customize this look, because I'm, I'm not sure if they showed that off or not. I don't believe they did. Okay, so scrolling down a little bit more. <laughs> so he sees Sothis again, apparently. Party of our psychic type of powers. I mean, I don't know about Sothis. Something's kind of something looks kind of off about her. Huh? She's a dragon lady with green hair who likes to take naps. It's all we know right now. Yeah, I get a, I get a weird vibe from her. I think she's a villain. Uh, I think they're just going to go with the tr usual, oh, the church is the villain. That's my guess, is what they're going to go with. Yeah, that's probably true. Because we have the Church of Saros. Yeah, because the church is at the center of the, everything it looks like, and part of the... Uh, I remember part of the message in the direct is that you 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 will take your students out to defeat brigands and uprisings. So I'm taking the guess of like, oh, you end up joining the uprising because the uprising was the good guys. Or I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, because it says here the church upholds order within uh, Fodlane and educates aspiring youth via the officers' academy. So there's there's something weird right there. But we shall see. Yeah. They are showing well, like... Well, there is a problem with this trailer too in that sometimes you get these cutscenes that are really like nice and flowing and then you get other ones that are like kind of like 10 frames per second type deal. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I will say a majority of the cutscenes looked straight up bad. There's no excuse I, for I, this. 
I genuinely thought like, oh, there's something wrong with my stream. That's why this looks so bad. And then I watched it later that evening, just like, oh no, this actually looks awful. And Fire Emblem's never been known for having the best cutscenes in the world. I mean, well, let me let me, the... let me let me let me stop you there. Fire Emblem Awakening has great cutscenes. That first cutscene where Chrome and Lissa run through the forest while it's catching on fire. It's been a while, but I I do think remember that one being good. Or at least for a handheld. I, I'm just thinking back to the GameCube, some of those cutscenes. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not textured they're not, good, but they have a flow to them. Go back and watch them. They have a, they have like a nice like coordination and flow to them. They haven't aged well, but they still have a good flow to them. I, I remember at the time thinking they were a little bit janky, but who knows? Maybe I was just a snob as a kid. But the, these in particular just don't. I hope that these aren't finished. Maybe this is why they're waiting until summer instead of spring. Hopefully they're polishing up some of the cutscene animations. Cause I mean, Although you I know, don't... say what you want to say about face and awakening. Like both of those places have great cutscenes places. Both of those games have great cutscenes. Fire Emblem Echoes. It's bad in places. It's very stiff. It's very janky. Like I remember when, um, Fernand, and uh, Echoes opens the door, and you see you see Brakut and Renea like dancing. It's just like it's supposed to be this elegant, flowing thing, but they look stiff as hell. Uh, so I'm just like, mm, all right. I don't know. I just I think it's I don't know. I think it's a little inex- inexcusable because this is our first, this is our first console handheld since 2007's Radiant Dawn. 2007. And now we have people moving around at what looks like 5 to 10 frames per second. It's like, I'm going to use these three frames to pick up my bow and aim it. It it doesn't look good. I, I'm, ho- I'm kind of hoping that the cutscenes just aren't in the game and this is just something put together for the presentation. Just like everything in-game is just the in-character models walking around while the picture of them comes up and starts talking to you. I, I really hope there aren't many if in-game animations at all. Like I said, though, it's weird though because like you'll like there's a cutscene with Edelgard holding her arm out and the camera's like turning around her and stuff, and soldiers are running and it's just like it looks just fine. But then you get to um, the dragon girl Sothis and she's kind of tilting her head to the left just a little bit and you can like see each frame moving. I'm just like, are you serious? What's with this? Uh Technically, hope. Technically, Fire Emblem games have never been the best looking on consoles. Like the GameCube and even the Wii one, kind of looked like really good looking N sixty four games at times. Well, I mean, but, Path of Radiance did actually start off as Fire Emblem sixty four, supposedly. Yeah, but but in the end, what matters is the gameplay and the mechanics, and this game seems to have some interesting things to it. Yeah. It's, it seems like you're able to train or and teach all of the students just about every single possible things they could learn, including teaching them how to punch the enemies. Yeah. So that one dude with like, he had like these fist spike weapons. I'm like, or is this Aki, Aki, what's his name? Aki from persona three. <laughs> Cause he kind of looks like him. Cause he, he has the white hair. He has the vest. I know Aki's is like red, but I was just like, that's Akihiro. Yeah. It 
there is a cutscene in the or not a cutscene. There is a scene in the trailer where you're teaching, where one of the students is learning in school how to become a brigand, and they have to pass a test in order to become a brigand. <laughs> okay, to become the brigand, first of all, you got to go raise this village. Look, don't question it. Go kill this family and their kids. But if, but you did it. But you passed. I I need you to leave one of them alive. So that way they come back for revenge later. That's that's just how it works in Officer Academy. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're only attacking buildings that have red roofs on them. Because that's where all the good stuff is hidden. And if one guy goes into the village and comes out within just a second of you, you can't touch it. Mm-hmm. Them's the rules. I, I didn't make them. Um... When we do talk about presentation, though, like, because we see actual, like, 2D animations as well, like anime cutscenes as well. So it's just like, huh, it's interesting because you see a guy with a bow and a girl with, like, pinkish reddish hair, kind of like Felicia's hair in Fates. And it looks like um, there's actually another older woman who's a teacher who was walking through the academy teaching people, too. So, I don't know, it's kind of, it's... It's very interesting, I think. Yeah, I I am looking forward to it. As as I sort of hinted out in the earlier section, like this game is giving me heavy Trails of Cold Steel vibes. And I'm okay with that cuz I really like that game. I liked the mechanics of oh, you're a student or in this case professor learning and interacting with the other students and then you go out on missions and in the missions yeah, you can die. Whatever. You're a student. You can handle it. And the kid, the I must say the kids, the uh, the students also have like really kind of nice and spiffy uniforms. So I wonder if it's kind of like a, um, or it's kind of like an Echoes, how like you have your villager class and they're kind of like wearing basic stuff. And then once you change their class, then they get like, you know, more armor based on like their color scheme and whatnot. You can teach people to, to wear heavy armor. So that was on the list. Okay, I didn't see that. Cause I, well, I know Edelgard at one point, you see her in a different outfit. Yes, you see her in her, in her brigand outfit. Fit. Oh, that's the person you teach to be a brigand. See, I didn't even, I didn't yeah. even catch that. <laughs> yeah, but we, we see all sorts of lists of like, yeah, oh yeah, you can train them in swords, axes, and all the good stuff, including fists. Fists was on the list. Teach them to be mounted units uh, don't know how that's going to work, but uh, I look forward to trying it. I look forward to having a, an, an army of boxers on my squad. It's very... Mm. So see, I will have the most anime of all the anime squads. It's, uh... They show you a lot of characters during this. There was actually sent you a DM of people, of a, just like a small list of like all the different characters and whatnot. And uh, I was just like, man, there's a lot of people. And then there's yeah, even I've, people that we didn't see. I've seen lists of like, okay, uh, breakdowns of here are all the characters that we know about and here are the houses that we know or at least suspect them to be in. Mm-hmm. The, those breakdowns are all over the internet right now. Yeah, I mean, oh, we're we're doing a poor job by comparison because we're just, we're just chit-chatting about it. Mm-hmm. I, but I think a part of it's kind of us having, because like this thing that I'm scrolling through right now, it's really, really long really long and uh because it's stopping looking at frames by frames not it's a podcast we don't have time for that 
Uh, there is one thing the Black Eagles have, I will give you. They have Dorothea, who is Hat Girl. I'm just like, I, I'm, in, I'm in on Hat Girl. Hat Girl seems cool. Me too. I saw Dorothea. I was like, she's the one. Please don't be a Camilla. <laughs> Please. I don't want any Camillas yeah. in those. There's a, there was another girl, too. Um, she looked like she'd be like the Memorodon type. She kind of had like a basic sword attack. What's her name? Patera. Purple-haired girl. Yes, uh, Petra, I think. Yeah, Petra. I don't know why I call her Petra. Yeah, even though she had an iron sword, the game had given her a 100% crit chance to show up for crit <laughs> in the trailer. Easy there, Rutger. Chill out. I know. Uh, That's funny. Uh, can't wait to play this. And uh, one thing, I, I, I feel it's inevitable. I think there's a 100% chance of it happening you're the professor you're going to be able to romance the students they just said bonding they didn't say anything about romancing i'm hoping there are no s supports at all i hate s supports as someone who went to the persona school of kawakami it's going to happen don't want s supports hate s supports well i i don't mind s supports so long as we don't have time traveling babies let me, let me put it this way it's not that i hate s supports I hate that the priority in the previous two games, I'm sorry, the pre, sorry, Awakening and Fates, because they're not in Echoes, obviously, um, that the S-supports took main priority over the stories. That's what I hate about S-supports. The actual bonding of characters, I don't know, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it sometime, but I'm really hoping that it just goes to A, and that's about it. Yep. Like I said, I'm okay with S-supports. I'm okay with that. Just don't force time traveling or alternate dimension babies into my world into my game yeah no kids that no kids please no kids i, I love of god no kids I, I will say this as someone who has not played genealogy of the holy war uh genealogy of the holy war is the only one that did it right after chapter five it's that second gen from then to the end of the game except for like well there's like i think a, i think there's a couple of characters that survive I, I'm okay with Awakenings because the basis of the entire story is time travel, so let, just we'll have get to time it. travel. Yeah, we'll get to it one day. Mm -hmm. There's even uh, a little lunchroom scene. Actually, you know what? It just, just kind of reminds me. People are comparing it to uh, Hogwarts, basically. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite tweets of was, this is Game of Thrones meets, meets Harry Potter and you're Professor McGonagall. <laughs> um it says here when students improve their bond they can participate in powerful gambit boosts where up where up to four characters can assist one another it looks like characters must be nearby for it to work within two squares or so gambit boosts seem to power up the character leading the charge then there's a coordinated gambit uh, above edelgard's name here and it's got a screenshot here and so that's like the attack where you see like a bunch of horses or I think it was a bunch of Lance uh, people in the original trailer just, like, attacking, like, one enemy. There's also some kind of dinosaur-looking person. <laughs> person, I'm sorry. Uh, monster. So I guess we'll be fighting dinosaurs. Yeah, why not? Mm. Uh. And so... Was there anything else about Three Houses you wanted to mention? Uh, I think I've gone through my likes and dislikes. 
I think that may be it. I'm excited for it. Um, one thing I was actually looking at was the Japanese special edition for this game, and it's so bare bones compared to the U.S. and European versions. Uh, didn't really get a good chance to see it. What was on the Japanese version? In the Japanese version, it is uh, it's the game, a CD, and a steelbook case and art book. But the steelbook says, um, hold on. Ladies and gents, I got to pull it up again. The steelbook is just like a plain black case that just says Fire Emblem Three Houses, or you know whatever their uh, equivalent name is. It's like the most plain looking thing in the world. Meanwhile, meanwhile, ours uh, talking U.S. here. I guess that would also mean Canada and Mexico, but uh, uh, the seal of I guess it's the seal of Saros or whatever it is. Uh, it's on our steelbook. It looks really beautiful we get this nice looking cd with like this nice cd art um we got pictures of the uh, almost said steelbook the um art book that's going to come with um comes with a 2020 calendar and then it comes with it comes in a nice box too um the european version is mostly the same uh except it has a on its main packaging it comes with like I, i'm just calling this thing the seal of saros because it's got like a goddess looking down and a, there's a circle and whatever you'll you'll see it a lot um instead of a soundtrack selection cd they get a usb stick and they get a three houses pin badge set along with the the same art book that we get but looking at the comparison shot between these and the Japanese version, it's just like, are they kind of like jipping the Japanese version? Because that's not something that usually happens. Well, hopefully this was, it's just a mock-up. Hopefully the special editions of the games are a little bit fancier <laughs> than what, they, what they've shown so far. Yeah, uh, supposedly this, it, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I think the, uh, I think the special edition is like a hundred bucks. Sadly, if you want it, you'll probably have to pre-order now. I I still have regrets about the Fire Emblem Fates Revelations bundle, which sold out almost immediately and never restocked. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can say what we want about that uh, about the game, but they the, the special editions they've been putting out, Nintendo especially, has been really nice. What's actually what's actually worse um, about that is that they actually had spoilers in the art book. So if you got the game and said, "Oh man, let me check out this," uh, let me check out the art book. You were immediately spoiled by like the final bosses and stuff. So I mean, if if you're going to get these special editions and it comes with the art book, my recommendation is to not look at the art book until you finish the game. That should just be a general idea, idea for all games. Just don't try to avoid all materials at all costs if it's something you care about spoilers because you're you're people that care people are going to spoil anything and companies are going to spoil anything because the people who put together the books or anything like that might not be aware of what's important or what's not important they just get a list of oh here's the artwork here's events that happen let's just put it out there let's get the most interesting looking things and use that as the advertisement yeah i mean 
The Echoes art book, to my knowledge, has been a little bit since I actually looked into it. It's not that thick. Uh, it really doesn't have... I'm trying to think if it has any big spoilers, and I really don't think it does. Whew. But yes, this is... Um, I mean, I've only covered like a fraction of what's in my overview here. And like I said, I'll put that link in the description. Because it is definitely a lot, and it's got some comparisons to things from the very first trailer as well. It's it's a five minute long new trailer from that direct, and there is a lot. So you can you can just pause every second and break something else down. Yeah, and then you know you're going to have people like Game explain what you're going to take their hour and a half, <laughs> their hour and a half uh, analysis of things. <laughs> they they do good work though. But for now, there are other Fire Emblem games that we can talk about. Other things we can break down. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, if you haven't been following us, you know, towards the end of the podcast, we talk about our current playthrough with Fire Emblem 7. We started this back, um... Did we start in the, pro- in the prologue? Because I can't remember. Uh, no, we didn't. I think we only started in Chapter 1. Alright, so in Chapter 1 of our podcast, we started a Fire Emblem 7 playthrough, which uh, we hope you've, been fo- hope you've been playing along with us, um... We will play through an X amount of chapters, and then we'll talk about, you know, the story and the plot and the characters and, and whatnot. So, um, for this, we played through, was it 16 through 18, including 16X, optional? I think we started at 16X. I think we ended on 16 last time. Okay, so 16X, the optional chapter, uh, then up to chapter 18. I personally did not take any notes for this because there really wasn't any like plot relevance, so I'm going to be playing it by ear, and I trust Cardwiz's great memory because he's played this game far, far more than I have. Alright, we start at 16X, the port of Baden, where our heroes have to, they know about the Dread Isle, there's something going down there, they know Elliot's father is there, they just have to get a boat to get there. And how do we have to get a boat? Why, we have to prove our toughness, of course, because it's a video game. We have to prove our toughness by talking uh, to Fargus. Fargus of the Three Houses. And if not, if you just go on head on and try to attack him, you're a moon calf. (laughs) But it's not just a little side quest thing. There's something that you really want to get in this chapter that you will not get if you don't play this one. The only dark the only shaman you can get in the game is hidden in one of the houses here. Yeah, I played through this game a ton of times and I only got I I don't even think I ever got Kanos. For whatever reason I knew who Kanos was, but I don't think I ever got him until like my not not this playthrough but my I want to say like maybe two or three playthroughs ago, like five or six years ago. Really? Did did you get Kanas in this playthrough? Yeah, I, I got him in this one because I remembered. But oh, okay. <laughs> but for whatever reason, like I just did not remember. Yeah, he's a very I want he's a good character, but we have to go to the super amazing, super special, awesome, amazing custom copyright infringement pending character breakdown to know why he truly is amazing. Kanas, the dark is he a dark major shaman? I forget. I think it's I think it's shaman. I think it's shaman evolves into druid. I think that's what it is. Okay, because I, I get I get I get confused between this and um, sacred stones promotions. 
Go ahead. Connus. Purple hair. He has a monocle. Master of dark magic. He is a super nice guy who's probably going to lead a very happy life with his wife and child afterwards. Also, terrible environmental heroes. Sorry, Connus. And finally, my last note, Luna for life. Ah. The very important note, because the spell Luna in Fire Emblem 7 is broken and it's glorious unless it's being used against you. Kanos is... Isn't there some sort of weird family relation where he's actually like Nino's uncle? Yes, it turns out he... Uh... Oh, we, haven't, we haven't encountered Nino yet. We have not encountered Nino yet, but I believe we do come across some information that, like, he she, he is her blood uncle. It's either, it's either a, it's either blood uncle or it's uncle by marriage somehow. Yeah, like, I can't remember if it's Canis who's directly related or his wife who's related. Yeah. But you, you have to find out through a Nino Canis support that that's the truth, that that's what actually happened. That's her actual bloodline. Yeah. So when you recruit, anyways, this whole map is basically sort of a preparation map, or I guess it's like the last preparation map before you will start entering the Dread Isle. So you have shops on this map. You have an arena if you can get to it. I could, I I've never been able to get to it. Uh, to kind of like level grind. Um, and then you have. Uh, you have like a number of houses where you can go through and talk to a person. They're like, oh, you, you're going here? We'll take this weapon because it'll be helpful for you. And so, uh, and don't attack Fargus because it will lead to one thing. He will kill you or he will kill you. Yeah, if you attack Fargus, he no longer wants to take you on the boat. It, so it's a lose condition if you even attack him once. Yeah, that's if you manage to survive. Because he's like, yeah, I think... he's a promoted berserker unit. You probably don't have any promoted units right now. Mm-hmm. It is a good, it's a solid map. It You can do it with only fighting three axe units. But if you want challenge, you can lure a bunch of really strong units out to face you with a lot of nasty looking silver weapons, including some... Uh, Black Fang troops to the south who pop up on the second turn, I believe. Yeah, and if you go within their attack range, then... Well, if you go within their attack range, then they'll just basically swarm you. But if you don't enter their attack range, then they'll just stay where they are on the map. Mm -hmm. Normally, if I'm playing like I normally do, where I just like, oh, something goes wrong, restart, I will happily provoke all the units and get all the experience. But this time, since I'm playing... I'm making myself play for keeps. Um, just I lured out like one or two units, killed them off, and then when the other ten people started to swarm, I just talked to Fargus. I, yeah, I got. I think I got lucky here. I actually, yeah, I basically just went up through. I basically lured out, lured out like the initial pirates. I bottlenecked them into like the small places in between, like the houses. And I think I ended up getting experience with um, Lucius and Florina. I can't remember now. It's been it's been about a week or so since I played. And then um, I just went directly to Fargus after getting some supplies. But I will say that thing that I mentioned earlier about not getting into like the guy on the bottom, his attack range, and he won't move. So 
I was playing the randomizer, which basically randomizes your unit, or randomizes your units, randomizes the enemy units and everything. Well, he showed up with a bolting tome. <laughs> I was doing so good. So good. And so... The bolting tome basically it's a basically it's a long range magic tome, and because of the place of where he spawns, you're automatically in his attack range. So then he'll he'll attack his bolting, and he would hit he would hit one of my lords every single time. So I couldn't pro- progress back there. So them's the breaks. But yes, after after proving your strength, the Fargus, he's just like, ah, oh, yeah, you guys are all right. Let's go because because he was originally going to charge you a hundred thousand gold, but he's like, nah, you're, you guys are strong enough. That's just about it for this chapter. Although there is one little Easter egg, which comes with a lot of Fire Emblem games. If you go into the building directly north of the spawn zone, you can talk to Anna, who makes her appearance in the fire, this Fire Emblem game. Yeah, she tells you about her sweetie named Jake. He's such a goody pirate. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. And Jake was also a, a sort of mainstay of the Fire Emblem series who appeared in a lot of games, but that kind of stopped. Yeah, because I think there's a there's another Anna and another Jake who are a couple in Shadow Dragon. Mm-hmm. Actually, there is one thing we kind of skipped over. It's just a small story bit. And basically, you have kind of like, you know, Lynn and Hector kind of arguing again because, you know, pirates are basically, you know, bandits. Yeah, and her, with her entire family killed by bandits, she's not the biggest fan. Yeah, she's definitely on edge here, and she's like, fine, you know, whatever. We will have to do it. Yeah, just goes to further put a little wedge between her and Hector that only potentially support conversations will help break down. Well, that's not true here. We got something coming up. If, well, if it's Hector mode anyways. Yeah, not Hector mode. We're in LA with normal mode, so we don't get that cutscene. <laughs> no, we don't get the cutscene. We can still talk about it, though. So, next, um, chapter 17, we're on a boat, and... Oh, there's a random girl at sea. What? Oh, it's Ninian. Well, well, what? So, we skipped playing Lin mode, so we skipped Ninian. Um, we initially met Ninian and her brother Niels, uh, during this mode and I can't remember what happens to her in Lin mode do they just kind of part ways uh, I believe they travel with them to the end yeah because uh, Niles is with you in, by chapter 10 so that they just travel with you for a while and then at the end when everything's happily ever after Niles and Indian go off and do their own thing and it turns out their own thing is apparently being captured by the Black Fane and Ninian being adrift at sea for a little while yeah basically uh lord elbert elliwood's father helped them helped them escape well wait did they help did he yep. help nils because I, I remember only seeing ninian here N- ninian is the only one here niles is somewhere else he we don't know where he's escaped to okay yeah i'm trying to it's, it's like i said it's been a week since i played so i'm kind of in and out um, when we, when we, uh, when we reunite with Ninian, basically she has no memory. She's kind of amnesiac. She's like, oh, I can't remember. But like, you know, basically we take her below deck, uh, 
and Lynn's basically protecting her, from what I remember. Yes, uh, she's helped out by a very nice pirate guy named uh, Dart, I believe. Oh, God. Yeah. He helps her out, and he he needs Lynn's help because he doesn't, he quote, doesn't know where to grab her. So that That's nice of him. Yeah. Uh, Dart, um... I guess we can talk, talk about him now. He won't he won't join our party until the next chapter, but I don't like Dart, so we can go ahead and talk about him now. I don't like Dart. He sucks. Getting Dart out of the way. Pushing forward to the next character on the amazing character breakdown presented by Cardwiz. Okay. Dart. The amnesiac axe user who would probably be the protagonist in any other game. He's not interesting. He's related to Rebecca. Don't care. That is it. Pretty much. Yeah, so, he, he's not interesting. Like the, from a gameplay point, he's interesting because he's the only pirate you get, and therefore the only promoted berserker you get, outside of someone you get later on eventually. But he, he can be very strong and very good. It's it's a tr- it's a pain in the butt to try to get him use them because by now you have Hector and potentially either Dorcas or Bartre as better axe users and this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn with his skill level miss, so it's miss, a, it's a miss. it's a pain it's a pain to level him he, he, he's a bigger pain to level than archers and the healers in my opinion yeah he also has this weird thing where with his sprite where he never looks at anyone directly he's always looking off into the distance for whatever reason He's an amnesiac with a funny eye. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, in pursuit of Ninian are the Black Fang, and so they pull their ships up beside yours and put boards beside them, and you pretty much have to last ten chapters, but I there's never been a time when playing this map where I've actually had to use all ten chapters. I usually finish it in six. Yeah, thankfully, it's, it, it's the traditional Fire Emblem boat chapter, but it's not that bad, especially on normal mode. I, I can say that about pretty much all the chapters in this game, especially on normal mode. You shouldn't have problems. You shouldn't have any of your characters die did you, at all. Did you lose someone? <laughs> uh, you're, you're not trolling. You actually lost someone. It wasn't the Lord. I legitimately lost someone. Oh, someone. yes. I have been waiting for this. I have been sitting in my chair, rocking back and forth as I play this game, thinking... I want Cardwiz to lose someone. <laughs> I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you a story. A story of horror. A story of good luck that turns into bad luck. It is the story of Raven. What? No, Raven? How are you gonna uh, lose Raven? Yeah, I I had Raven attacking people, starting to level up. See, like, how are you gonna level up? Are you gonna be useful? He kills one guy. Really good level up. Across, get he gets five points across the board, including speed. Then he levels up again. He gets uh, three points, including speed, which is great. And then, but he's starting to hurt a little bit, so I'm occasionally healing him. And then the waves come. He has, ends up fighting like six people in a row, but he keeps killing them because his speed has become so high. But they keep chipping away at his damage. They keep chipping away at his health can't believe you did this raven of all people but couldn't you do couldn't you have but, gotten but, but, rebecca killed no one likes rebecca but, no. but raven survives because raven is fantastic 
through it all. He survives. There's only one guy left. And I ha- I managed to heal Raven up all the way. Raven is going to finish this guy off. 1% crit. Oh. I get hit with a 1% crit and Raven dies right there on that boat. I am so sorry. Can't meal- can't meal his turn with that. That didn't exist back in 2003. No, it didn't. I got 1% crit. It was it had it happened. I knew it was going to happen this campaign and it it caused a death and Raven is my first casualty. Lucius and Priscilla are going to be beside themselves. Yeah, Lucius uh, Lucius was on the other side of the map destroying the shamans. So he doesn't know yet. No one's told him yet. Good. We'll keep it a secret. But th- th- this is a really good map for Lucius cuz this is Shaman Central. Oh, yeah, I brought Lucius on this map. I was just killing people. So, um, you defeat generic Black Fang guy. Oh, yeah, I forgot Jake makes his appearance. He's like, oh, yeah, you know Anna? Great, cool. Uh, also, there are two shops on this boat where you can also buy stuff if you miss the town. So, Thanks, Jake. Yeah, thanks. And then... Although, although the boss is a little bit tricky because he has the dreaded Broken Luna Tome which I can't remember if we've ever gone over on this podcast how broken Luna is. We just, we just it, did. It, it bursts through, it cancels out all resistance and has an amazing crit chance. So it, the bo- you have to be careful with the boss. But you should also steal his speed wings because he has speed wings. Yeah, I forgot to deploy Matthew in this map. So the boss, I mean, he's... Like you said, you, you, it's smart if you steal a speed wing from him. Because I remember I was see, I was thinking like, man, I I have a unit. And I was just like, man, they need more speed. I need a speed wing, and I didn't deploy Matthew like a moron. So I'm not sure if I get another speed wing anytime soon. So yeah, I don't think there are any more speed wings in the game off the top of my head. Man, that sucks. I think this I think that's the only place to get it. Weirdly enough, there are plenty of skill books and stuff, but. I think that's the only speed wings. But it, one other random thing about this map, I don't think any other map does this in the game, off the top of my head. As we play along, I might misremember, but I think this is the only chapter where the enemy gets reinforcements and they attack on the same turn as they reinforce. That's um, that's a Fire Emblem 6 thing. Yeah, but for some reason it only happens here with the units to the south when they appear. But If they appear. You, I mean, you can. You, you, there, I've had times where I've just flat out killed the boss, and he's just like, and that's it. Yeah, that can happen. I usually let him appear so I can get a little bit of extra free XP. Well, Lucius was killing everybody on one side, and then Lowen and Oswin were on the other side with a little help from from Florina. Yeah, I, I, that's where I had Raven. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sucks. You lost Raven though. But I mean, the thing the thing about that is, is like you'll if you need a mercenary mercenary slash hero replacement, you'll get someone else pretty soon. Yeah, I, I've got an, enough decent sword users. My my guy is okay right now. Lynn is now that I've gotten her past the she get she dies in one hit range. She's useful useful. So I'm not I'm not short on sword users. And so, 
Um, we finally make it to the Dread Isle, good sirs. We have finally made it here. And this... Well, we got a, a little nice heartbreaking scene if your Matthew is still alive. Uh, yes. We get the cutscene where we find out that Elliot's father set them free and set Niles and Indian free. And we find out that there's a certain little spy, a certain Ostian spy who's on the scenes ready to help us out, ready to help out Lord uh, Elbert. Oh, poor. Oh, I miss her already. Why did she have to die? Poor Layla. She is uh, killed by Ephidel, who at this point now no longer has his hood for whatever reason. Or, uh, she is ac- she's killed by Jafar, that jerk. Oh, the I'm irredeemable sorry. irredeemable jerk. Sorry, he was, we, he's, he's, she's confronting by, she's confronting Ephidel, or Ephidel's confronting her, and then he calls yes. for Jafar. That's right. Yes, Ephidel catches her being a, a spy and six Jafar on her. <laughs> Nothing personnel, kid. Yeah, we get to see the awesome assassin critical animation on the poor thief or assassin for some reason Layla has both sprites it's weird yeah she has uh, the battle sprite of a thief but the map sprite of an assassin and so Ephidel basically you know tells him he's like you know leave this body where you can find where they'll find her because they now know that you're on the island Mm -hmm. so they're going to send the black fang and all its forces after you yeah so Upon reaching the Dread Isle, um, Hector's like, oh man, it's Layla. She met us here. Layla? Layla? And we find out that they left her... I'm a little confused about like how they do it, because I was thinking, oh, they just leave her like leaned up against a tree or leave her laying on the ground for them to find. But my more kind of, I guess, warped sense is they left her hanging in a tree for them to find. Because that's how... Because they act like, like they're mortified. Yeah, like you see the overworld sprite animation of sort of like a limp a female assassin sort of standing up-ish. So it does sort of give a hanging vibe to it. Uh, in my did, in, I, in my twisted just, mind, she was hanging from the tree. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. Um, and then when, when Matthew sees it, he, he takes her body and just says, waited too long, didn't I? Huh. Uh, and he's got the smile on his face and he only stopped smiling once everyone turns away he's like you know he says he says that you know after this was after this assignment was done talking about you know them spying the black thing he says you know I was going to take her back to my village to, oh wait no that's a different cutscene actually that, yeah that that was a conversation that those uh, Liliana and Layla and Matthew had a little bit earlier yeah and he was basically he like yeah he was going to say you know hey I was going to He's like, oh, our work is always dangerous. You know, this is how it is. You know, I was going to ask her to be my wife or whatever, so. Yeah. It's kind of funny because, like, Layla's not in a lot of scenes, but it still has, like, this weird impact. Yeah. She really sticks out in your mind. Like, she, uh, the a character, Matthew, is not serious about anything. Just seeing his happiness taken away from him, that strikes you. Uh 
Because I'm usually, I'm very critical of things like this where a character like hardly shows up and they just die and just like, well, you were hardly there to begin with, so why do I care? But for some reason, Layla always like struck me as being this really tragic thing. That because the, if she didn't have the the connection with Matthew, that really basic human connection, then we wouldn't care. But they do a decent job of establishing that. I mean, it's probably like not the most tragic death in the series. That would probably go to probably some characters in genealogy. But like, I don't know. It's just I don't know. It's weird. I, I I'm not saying like, oh man, <laughs> she died. I liked it, but I, I kind of like the way it was presented to you as the player. Mm-hmm. They did a good job just giving you one more reason to hate the Black Fang and wanting to stop uh, what they're doing. Although, as the chapter begins, uh, we actually have, we have a moment where the boss of this chapter, Uai, comes in and kidnaps Lin. But then he lets her go. He's like, nah, man, I'm Sakaian. You're Sakaian. We're good. We're homies. Also, kill me, I'll tell you where, where to go. Yeah, that's pretty much how this chapter goes. Um, this is actually a fog of war map, meaning that, you know, um, most of the map is actually obscured here. Um, I've typically done very poor on this map, but for some reason, like, for some reason this playthrough, certain things are clicking with me. I, I don't know why. I'm waiting for the big upset for me to start losing a lot of people and screwing up. Yeah, I, I had a good job on this map. I managed to recruit our newest member to the party. Have more of that. We go to the super character breakdown. Pot dear. So in Xenoblade Chronicles, Fiora, she is Shulk's girlfriend in the beginning of the game. Other other Fiora. Oh, other Fiora. This one. This one has cooler hair. Or, but, but my my notes. I I have like half a page here on her character arc and. For the next game, you can do the super special, awesome, amazing character breakdowns. Okay. This is my thing. Okay. I'll just... Fiora. <laughs> awesome turquoise hair. She can romance Elliewood in one of the most random romances in the game. Also, Florina's sister. There we go. She's well. She's one of three Pegasus Knights sisters, and like, if if your Florina is not deployed or she or she's dead, uh, you can't recruit her. Yeah, she she's probably gonna go get herself killed against some archers because the or some nomads because this map has enough of them. Yeah, uh, I actually forgot because I like I positioned Florina like basically towards the top part of the map. I was like, well, I know she, I know she will spawn here, but I don't remember where she spawns. But she shows up and she's like, oh man, I'm I'm here, and all my Pegasus Knight sisters got ambushed and are dead. Um, and then she immediately like. I'm, it's a good thing I had units like blocking this one area. Otherwise, she would have decided, "Hey, I'm gonna go suicide." But she just goes in. She stops, says her dialogue, dives down towards the bottom of the map. I'm just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. The biggest problem with this map are the is the fog of war, and there are a bunch of nomads. So if you're not careful with your flying units, you're you can be in trouble. And also, Uai himself can be a bit of a pain. Uai throws me off because his map sprite is of the nomad, which is which has a, the, the sprite of the nomad has a bow by default. But his but on his person actually he doesn't carry a bow, so I'm like, oh god, if I get too close, and and he also has a right. movement range as well, but he never moves. 
Yeah, he has a movement. He, he uses a bow. Mine didn't have a bow. What? Yeah, he might have had his sword equipped, but he has the bows. No, he didn't have a bow at all. Because I was, I was in bow range several times. Never used it. Never attacked. Never moved. I feel like I'm going insane right now. And, I mean, unless I was just glitched this one time. Da, 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 going to ch- going to the websites to check out what Uai has. Yeah, he's got a longbow and a shortbow with him. No, he only had a sword for me. I'm guessing, like, you must have just constantly had units beside him, and he prioritized the units beside him. I have no idea. Because that's what I was thinking. I was just like, his he has a bow. Or, I'm like, his map sprite has a bow, but he's not... I don't know, he just never used it for whatever reason. It's possible he's programmed to prioritize attacking the unit beside him. That's the only thing I can think of, because he has bows. He 100% had a bow on him. I don't know, maybe it was just, like I said, maybe it was just a glitch or something, so I don't know. Apparently he has bows, everyone. Apparently I've done goofed something. Uh, and with that, we move on to the last chapter for this section, 18X. Oh, this is an optional chapter. If you didn't get this chapter, or you, like, declined to do the side sto- the side quest, you know, don't worry about it, but we're going to discuss it anyways. Mm-hmm. We get to face off against a very powerful sage who is bragging about, I'm the most powerful mage. I can wield lightning from far away. And he's got the bolting tome to prove it. Yep. But before he can actually wield it, eh, someone shows up. Kushina? Is that how you say it? Kushina. Kushina. And he he is the magic seal. And not only is it a magic seal... We learn from the cutscene, it is also a, a, something that makes Lynn and Hector very a- angry. Yeah, I, well, I thought it was more, I thought it was more or less that it was because of the malice and everything that was happening on the island, basically like the dark forces or whatever was getting to them. I thought that they were implying that it was like, it also came from Kashuna, but I, maybe I misread that, well, Kishun, misinterpreted. Kashuna appears like maybe one to two turns later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I I could be wrong yeah. too. Uh, but anyway, it's a fairly simple map. Just you have a bunch of armor units, a bunch of magic units. Make sure you stay in the magic field, and the magic units aren't going to be a problem. And save Aeon if you're not playing on Elliewood normal mode. Aeon actually has a silver card on him, which you will want to steal, as it makes all items half off in the game for whoever's holding it. Mm, I didn't steal it. We we couldn't steal it because it was Elliewood normal mode. Oh, okay, right. I was about to say, wait. Yeah. Yeah. And if we were playing on Hector mode, you could have really beefed up people and try to hope you pray you crit Kashuna and try to take him out in order to play the super secret chapter, but we're on Elliewood mode, so we can't even attempt it. Yeah, Kashuna... Because I think, I think if you attack... Uh, attempt to attack Kashuna even once he just vanishes. And once he vanishes, the magic seal is gone. And if the magic hey. seal is gone, then you're royally screwed. Because Aeon will bolt in your butt. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
But I th- I think you've got one. I don't think it's one attack. I think you've got one turn to do it before Kashuna disappears. But uh, there's no need to attack Kashuna because you're all good with Kashuna. You could attack his guards and get that beautiful sniper experience points. Yeah. Um. In there's also a um. Oh, what's it? It's on the bottom half of the map. Is it, is it a shrine or something? Yes, in the bottom right, there's a shrine where you meet someone who meets someone who's living on the Dread Isle. But who would ever, what kind of weird person would live on the Dread Isle? A gentleman by the name of Renault. Of course, we will not talk to Renault, uh, talk about Renault for now, but he is uh, a rather interesting character, I would say. He is a great character, and he gives you a goddess icon. We'll we'll talk about him later. He's he has plenty to talk about. Oh yes. So actually, you, I think you have to reach him in a certain amount of turns. Otherwise, um, I think a bandit runs over there to try to destroy the ruins. Does, if 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 the ruins get destroyed, does that affect him appearing later? I doubt it. That's not something I had heard of. Because I don't really remember it. Uh, maybe, oh, you know what? I may be thinking of the next map he appears on. Anyways. Um, yeah, the next map he appears on would affect that, definitely. So, um... I'm trying to, there's really not much with, this map either. Yeah, not much story-wise, but it just sets up Kashuna for his storyline, and... It leads us to the Dragon's Gate, where we will leave off for now. So, um, I mean, this set of chapters, it's really not, like, a lot of story things. There's, like, small character moments between here and there. There actually was one thing we mentioned. Um, on the boat chapter, where Elliewood goes over to talk to Fargus, Lynn and Hector actually have their own cutscene in Hector mode. And Hector basically talks about, you know, his family and whatnot. Um, I can't remember what all it is. <laughs> Sorry, it's definitely it, it, it's definitely a lot of character building stuff between Ellie Wood and Lynn, though. Between Hector and Lynn, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Hector and Lynn. But for now, for our next chapters, how about we go from chapter 19, the Dragon's Gate, until uh, chapter 22, the Living Legend, or we can go 22x if you if you feel like being daring. 20 like 22 will be the quote-unquote requirements and if we get 22x we get 22x so sometimes you won't if you don't fulfill certain conditions you don't get the x chapters so i i I don't remember if i got 22x a bunch of times so i i would recommend having your main uh lords talk to someone who appears at the bottom of that map if you want to unlock the chapter and recruit a character Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So yes, that's where we'll leave it off. If you, if you get 22x, great. If you don't get 22x, don't worry about it. Uh, but for now, I get to we get to sign off for now and go play more Fire Emblem 7. So that makes me happy. Yep, uh, this has been kind of a long episode. We, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Thank you, Nintendo Direct. Yeah, so, as I said before, if you want to just support us, just follow us on Twitter at Emblem Supports, or drop us an email at emblempodcast at gmail.com. Cardwiz, together, we ride.